0: Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. Welcome back to the show, friends. Today is the second part of the Richard Beck, Rob Bell, three-man show that we recorded in Laguna Beach last week. I think you're just going to love it. And let me tell you something else you're going to love. You're going to love our friends at the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. You want to know why? Let me tell you why. Because we live in a complex world, engaging such complexity requires something far greater than the application of techniques or the same old answers. The Seattle School of Theology and Psychology emboldens leaders to be a dynamic presence of wisdom for a world in need of complex thinkers and healers. They offer graduate degrees in divinity, counseling psychology, and theology and culture. And professional development certificates for new parish leaders and lay counselors. If you want to learn more, go to theseattleschool.edu. That's T H E, Seattleschool.edu. You can also check their link out on our Facebook page, Newsworthy and Northworthy on Facebook. Check it out there, it's a good thing to do anyway. And without further ado, let's do the thing. Richard Beck, Rob Bell, we're going to pick right up, mill the conversation. Here we go. Can we transition? Let's talk another different book. Absolutely. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I, this may be kind of like a um, uh, a little thing between you and me, and Richard. That I feel like I need to get off my chest. Uh, a few months ago, I came out. He's setting something up there. <laughs> what? Do you, no, I just need to get this off my chest. Is that? Do I have to watch? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't have <laughs> to. You can <laughs> turn your head. Um, this is why Look, he's a researcher, not Dolphman. a counselor. No, it's not gonna. It's not gonna work this time. Wait, is there one? There's a dolphin. Um, so, I come out to California and I talk to Kristen and Rob about a book called The Zimzum of Love. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm and gonna, I'm going to check and see if she's coming, by the way. I'm is not she? being rude. I want you to be present and check on Kristen because that's very important. Um, because The Zimzum of Love is, it's mm-hmm. important. It's dynamic, sacred, exclusive, and reactive. Those are the four points of this book. He didn't even get that. It's true, though. I got it. You did? That's great. Yeah. Good. So, I come out here and um, you withheld something from me that's very important. You knew you had a good assumption that the word Zimzim was introduced to Rob Bell, possibly. Maybe. Possibly. It's a hypothesis. By the work of Jurgig Moltmann. That's that, a theory. That was my That's I, your theory. Now you'll we'll, we'll confirm that Man, later. I love okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> it, you knew that and you didn't tell me. I'm coming to talk to Rob. You never said, Hey, Luke, you might want to check. He might have got that from Moltmann. I didn't have that. That would have been a great little nugget for me. Instead, you know what I went with? I brought up that 1980s rap group Rex and Effects because I didn't have Maltman in my bag of points to go to. Do you have anything you'd like to say to me?
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's Okay. Of, um, it, no. It's no. not where I got it. Is that not, not? See? So this whole little <laughs> therapeutic exercise <laughs> is... Where'd you get it? Where, where, how'd you, where'd you come across it? Because um, I think Maltman I'm reading in Trinity the, and Kingdom, I think. Reading I think. it in uh, the... Isaac Luria and the oh, so Kabbalists from yeah, the so 1500s. Probably a compendium primary. of the yeah. primary sources. So he's reading the primary sources. I
2: was, uh, wow. but it wouldn't have been. It would have been some. Let me introduce you to the ten most interesting ideas. One of those sort of um, commentaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
0: Well. I'm glad you didn't tell me then because I would look like an idiot if I would have brought that up. But you, you have an interest in that word because it, there's a connection to hospitality, which is a big theme, obviously, in a lot of your work, obviously. Yeah, I was introduced to it but from my friend Mark Love, who runs a graduate program
1: up at Rochester College, and he uses the word. Um, well, well part, partly when we were talking, I was like, you know, Rob's getting dinged for using this word. You know this fancy word that, and I was like, no, no, I think this is this is this is a word. No way! Did you did you hear people get? You're like, not
2: allowed to use fancy words. That, apparently, that, that's like I, your
1: I, go-to I to, thing is words. I, I thought some people thought you know you'd pick this kind of word and it was from the Jewish mystical tradition and and I'm waiting for the negative part. <laughs> One, I, I, is I, that I, don't, weird?
0: You're trying to stick up I, for him though. That yeah, means, yeah, yeah. I was saying. Yeah. I said no. I
1: think this is this this word has a lot of theological pedigree because. I know more. You know what's funny to me? What was that? I love it's.
2: um, There's some suspicion because it's from the Jewish mystical tradition. Okay, first off, Jesus is Jewish. The disciples are Jewish. David is Jewish. Abraham is Jewish. (laughs) Moses is Jewish. So is. Do you have a problem with Jewish? Because if you do, then billions of people on the planet have a problem with you. Secondly, (laughs) mystical from the word mysticism, meaning to have an authentic experience of the divine. Ooh, I'm so with you brother. I'm with you. How upside down, bass backwards have things been <laughs> when that's, you know, that's yeah. a Jewish mystical idea. That's an idea rooted in the tradition that my tradition is rooted in about an actual flesh and blood experience uh, of the divine. That sounds <laughs> scary to me. Sometimes you have to like take critiques and like just have a good time yeah, with I, the complete yeah. absurdity. Sometimes Mm -hmm. one time someone said, it sounds like you're talking about something Middle Eastern. (laughs) It's not awesome. They were like, don't listen to him. Uh, Some group that was doing flyers or some protest because he, you know, that's a, he's talking about Middle Eastern religion. (laughs) Kind of like Christianity. (laughs) Is that the best critique? (laughs) Are you
0: serious? That's the problem here. Hmm. This is Middle Eastern. That's... (laughs) That's dangerous. That's dangerous. We need American religion. Yeah. That is the right one. <laughs> that is the right. One.
1: Anyway, I'm sorry. No, no, no. So, well, but, <laughs> but I heard the word from Marx because he uses it, and I think he got it. I think Mark got it from Moltmann that when he he does a he does a a whole class on hospitality as leadership. Oh, fantastic! And uh, they begin with. You know, I say, w- when do we first pick up hospitality um, in the in the scriptures? And, and most people go to like Genesis eighteen. You know, Abraham welcomes the three strangers and shows hospitality. He earlier, but 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 Mark students will say, no, no, in the very act of creation, God, you know, zimzums, God makes room. Oh, and, and, come and, and on! And then basically just beautiful. Lori's Laurie, work, but so he uses zimzum as hospitality language that, that we're always making room uh, oh, for each other fantastic and anyway so i was thrilled when i read it in the book because i felt that it was more than just a marriage book because i felt like Good. it was a i i I felt it was all about church all the way through it the, the, oh the, beautiful the, the, we would often in
2: the book yeah because we sat by side side by side for a year and a half we would often have to be like this is the symptom of marriage because of our reflection our writing kept taking us into the ZimZum of parenting, the ZimZum right. of business, exactly. the of— Any relationship. Yeah, that there's a the Zim—we the, just happen to attach it to marriage, but that there is a ZimZum dimension to all relations. Are you mm-hmm. hinting
0: that you and Kristen are going to have a whole series? No. <laughs> I'm going to start that rumor. Kristen and Rob, a new series. The no, ZimZum um, of finances. I'll let someone else do
1: that. But I thought it was a beautiful image to explain what, what like, Koinonia— is yeah is, is, is the is the making room for other mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. creating that space and then tending to the whole metaphor of then you tend to that shared space space um that oh, was beautiful and
0: and that's a big part of unclean because the uh boundary psychology right, crossing is, boundaries yeah mm-hmm. i mean yeah. and you connected that obviously with the table right
1: eucharist and the table mm-hmm. yeah yeah so the eucharist would enact that you know making room at that shared table. Uh, um, oh, fantastic.
0: Obviously the, the tradition that, that uh, Rich and I both come from is churches of Christ, which is a group that does communion every Sunday. Yeah. And so we've always had this, uh, kind of just bred into us, this appreciation for the sacraments. Baptism is a big deal to us. Awesome. Communion. And your work has kind of gone in a direction. And I don't know if it's always been this way, but, um, the aforementioned two day event that I went to a couple of years ago, minus the dolphins, ended with bread and wine. Am of I course. allowed to, I kind of mm-hmm. just spoiled it for everyone if they've never been to one. But that's a big part of Absolutely. Like the stuff it's that the you're center. Doing. It's well, the center. Where did that come from? Has it It
2: came from me realizing that I, I was preaching year after year sermon after sermon and people said, so what do we really believe? What do you believe? And then I'd do another series of sermons. Well, what and I and I over the years was like, "Oh, this Protestant tradition still protesting after 500 <laughs> years, it locate its nexus. Its, its focal point is ultimately in the mind and how your mental furniture are arranged. So everything that I say, I believe Jesus saves. Do you mean at death or do you mean this life? Okay. I believe Jesus saves us now and then. Okay. Do you mean salvation at like every single thing you say, it splits it. And then you can find And the traditions roots are you have your 11 things. They have their 13 statements. I'm kind of uneasy. Um, then there's always somebody who comes along and says, there's only four of them. Mm -hmm. And they do this, the, the, the sort of simplistic, they play the simple card. We're just about a couple things. We just love God and love others. And it goes, Oh, it's so simple. But then they have to split because someone says, what do you mean by love God at some point? So then they go down the street and start second, whatever Mm -hmm. church of the simplicity way. Um, And what it, it it never stops splitting because when you stay in the mind in the center is the statements and the way your mental furniture is arranged, you can never stop splitting it and finding ways that you disagree. Hmm. And what I discovered is that no matter how much I talked, here's what I mean. You had people going, yeah, but do you mean this or that? It never ended. Just never, Hmm. ever, ever ended. I do 10 weeks on a topic. Yeah. But what, like, what, what do you, so where do we stand on that? What do we believe about that? What do we believe as a church? What, what do you, theologically, what are you saying? And finally it struck me because I was having lunch in Texas with this uh, professor from a Catholic seminary. And she said, what's interesting at my seminary, she said, the priests, we all each morning have mass and we have the bread and wine together And then the rest of the day, we argue about everything under the sun. (laughs) But we began the day with what unites us at a flesh and blood real level. Mm -hmm. And she says, what strikes me about Protestants is you don't begin the day with a centered experience of the divine in your midst. Mm -hmm. And then you, therefore, you aren't as free to disagree. Because when you disagree, then you split. Mm -hmm. So we have this thing. And that's when we started... Serving, I started, I'll serve Eucharist whenever I can because it creates a whole different center. Mm-hmm. The center then becomes a table. And the table moves it from, from the mind to flesh and blood. And so the question then becomes, can you join us at the table? Which is a totally different question than, can you agree to our nine things? Can you agree to our 12 things? Um, mm-hmm. It moves it. And that's the number one thing to every single... If you we were to start a church all over again, would you, I would just say every week, we have a table... We're inviting the whole world to the table. We leave us the body broken and the blood poured out. Can you do that? Because that's why so many people have left mm-hmm. and, are, and your students and people are mm-hmm. disillusioned as they were literally taught this thing mm-hmm. that isn't doable. I went all the way into the heart of the beast and it's not doable. And I'm here to tell you it's not sustainable and it's not doable and it leaves everybody a wreck. That's what I have to say about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I had to add that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. How many people do you know who they're still trying to get it? But we're kind of suspicious about the pastor because it's a little bit questionable. Oh, because he took one of the one things away from the list of right. 13. and added It It never, ever
0: ends, and it makes everybody completely mentally insane. Okay, there's no way I'm going to let you off from that last sentence. You went to the heart of the beast, and it's impossible to do it. Explain what do you mean by that?
2: If you're still in the region of the mind protesting— You'll never, it creates a vicious system in which you're left boycotting people. You're left suspicious of everybody and their brother. You have to make public statements about this book. You have to put a sticker. They put a sticker on my book, some book Parent, chain. Parental advisory. Read <laughs> with discernment. Um, you 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 have to blackball mm-hmm. people. You have to fire people. It never, ever ever ends because it can't be done because you are dancing on the head of a pin and someone's going to fall off
0: and you think that's built upon the the whole process and this is why
2: the whole conservative evangelical thing is a house of cards and it's completely collapsing before our very eyes and everybody who's listening now thinking no it's stronger than ever no it's moments from completely falling into a thousand pieces and being over because because it builds its whole thing on a house of you need to believe these things and then everybody mm-hmm. weighs in on what those things mean, and it splits hairs, and it splits hairs, and it splits hairs, and it can't be done. It cannot be done. You move it to the table, everything changes.
0: So you think Amen. the Eucharist is the, the saving grace for the church?
2: I think that's what Jesus said, and I think he was right. And I it think- moves it. And I think there's a Greek element of knowledge mm-hmm. that, it, that many people are still beholden to, which is, I don't know, what do they believe? well they feed the poor and they rescue marriages and they help addicts that's what they believe mm. and that actually central to a hebraic understanding of the scriptures is when jesus is asked he doesn't say anything about believe he says love and i think you have a whole world that just went way over into this um protesting splitting what exactly do you mean by that suspicion someone so came and they said some stuff about nahum four i don't know about you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. a sus- And it, now what's happened is it's deep in the... It's almost in the like the cells, the physiology of the thing. Everybody's suspicious of everybody. Mm-hmm. And having been on the receiving end of it, I felt it at a... Yeah. It is a particular kind of terror-filled energy, which is totally different than we're setting a table for the whole world, baby, bread and wine. You want to mm-hmm. join us? Yeah. And these events over the past four years where I get to serve Eucharist to people I've watched... People, well, I have no idea their background, but a lot of them never been to a church service, never been, a, and they take Eucharist and stuff happens. I could tell story mm-hmm. after story of watching. Oh, no, it's amazing. I love
1: Sarah Miles' story and take this, but you know Sarah Miles' Good story. Good Lord, this, is that know how to write. Story. Yeah, yeah, but that's her story. You know, atheist. And also, and there's also this funny thing. And,
2: changed. and there's also this awesome thing. Well, what if people take you know, what if people come to the table who, um, like this idea that the table if people, certain people come and you haven't done the full body scan, you know what I mean? Like that you haven't done proper TSA work on them. Yeah. Then, you know, I always like such, you know, the whole thing is upside down when people are filled with terror, that somebody might come to the table (laughs) who hasn't been through the proper TSA theological scanning. Mm. You know what I'm concerned that this person would have a flesh and blood encounter with the grace of Jesus.
0: Um, yeah you know what i mean no like
2: that if there's a god somewhere watching this whole thing that god would be like we can't have that
0: no it can't come here. Mm-hmm.
2: like you just think about how the fear is that deep that we may not have you know done the proper scrutiny with this person when the entire jesus story and the table fellowship mm-hmm. in the first century was all the people who you say can't come to the table i'm having dinner with them watch me it's performance art it's guerrilla theater like mm-hmm. The table mm-hmm. is the way that he demonstrates what he's doing. Wow. Um, I mean, the first table... I, 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 I agree, think I think agree. Think about the first <laughs> century table. The first century table was a political statement. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because you had a, a, an industrial, military, religious complex that had very serious um, needs that were all sort of in bed together. And who you dined with was a statement of who's clean and who's unclean. Because that's straight out of Leviticus. Mm-hmm. So when you... You're not just having dinner with a sinner. You are having dinner with somebody who is part of the reason why we're being oppressed by the Romans. So you had a very large contingent that said, the reason why this um, global military superpower number 17 has crushed us is because of you sinners. And if we were holy and we were pure, then this wouldn't be happening and God would let our light shine. Like Isaiah said. Yeah. And so these sinners are the reason for our financial stress, for our military occupancy, for the degradation of our temple by these pagans. Um, so when you have, I mean, this was, we think like civil rights or, or gay rights are, are sort of volatile issues, but we don't have a, the giant industrial machine of its day with its boot on our neck. So when Jesus is having a table fellowship with people who are the reason for this, that's a, that's like burning a flag. And Mm -hmm. I mean, there's like nine, you know, think Uh. of the most volatile gestures you can
1: do all at once. Or Peter with Cornelius and the when t- he does oh, it, like you said at the very oh, beginning of this. Right. Exact, exact same situation.
2: Right. There were The implications run so deep and yet the stories that were told like when you read, if you've never read the Gospels and you read them, you're like, this guy has dinner a lot. <laughs> yes. I'm very hungry. Because that's, the, mm-hmm. it's like if we, you and I went around to small American towns and set flags on fire in the middle of the mm-hmm. um town square we would be saying something. Um, I think Jesus is doing something very intentional, very provocative, and very redeeming, and it centers around a
0: table. Okay, two things. One, <laughs> why did you write the book about being present when you have like this book about the table? When is that book coming out? Because that's clearly oh goodness, there's like six books in my head. Well, I don't know. bump it to the top. I'll I'll make a list for you. Okay, <laughs> first of all, so okay, let's read. <laughs> but I
1: agree. I mean, I agree. I mean, that is that was. Yeah, some of the best ten minutes I've ever had. I mean, I, I mean, I think that, and that's the point where Unclean comes down at the very end. That the practice of the table just reshapes our theology from the ground up, and I think it's that the church has a future. The practice, absolutely, of communion is that's it,
0: and hospitality, uh, yeah. and yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what the tattoo in your arm says. That's right. It does, doesn't it? Okay, yeah, <laughs> and, and a part
2: oh. part of it, part of the one of the really interesting what you said just sparked one of the really interesting questions to ask is what are you protecting what is this fe- the, what is the fear ex- exactly like there's a table God is throwing a party everybody's invited we gather on a regular basis we get some bread and wine we remind ourselves that that's the whole thing that's happening here everybody's invited mm-hmm. what do you need to bring to the table what do you need from the resurrected Christ today um, what is this what is the thing exactly that you're the, the fear the, the thing that has to be protected because when you're throwing a It's a completely different impulse to throw a party at a table, to have a table. And um, it's a completely different... It is an active zim-zum impulse in the world as opposed to we're the last people who have this thing that we need to guard at all costs. Well, no wonder everybody's bored. And it doesn't work. (laughs) Mm.
0: (laughs) Okay. Anyway. Okay. For those of us like myself, who are pastors, and like it's our job to do church, like and we want to create environments where people connect with the body of Christ. that was broken for them, the blood of Christ I was shed for them. What, like, if you're reimagining what church can be, if it's not this, let me line up your beliefs and let let's get you on board with these twelve points that all start with a P. Instead, it's the table. Like, how do you imagine that? Yeah, like here's an example. Next time you serve Eucharist, Sunday, baby, say to everybody every
2: Sunday, "Here's the thing today when we do Eucharist." I want you to take Eucharist with somebody that you don't know. Sitting behind you, sitting around you, sitting next to you. If you don't want to, that's fine. If somebody's sitting next to you, just say, I'll pass on this one. Otherwise, just get their name and just take Eucharist with somebody that you don't know.
0: Why is that so formative?
2: You will not believe what happens. At the end of the service, when people are Mm. filing out, you will be shocked at how many people don't immediately file out.
0: Because they ate together. Because
2: at the heart of the Eucharist is universal human solidarity. There is a body there is, a body. I love yeah. de Chardin. Um, I'm doing some work on particles, make atoms, atoms, make molecules, molecules, make cells, cells, make systems, systems, make people. So each and each layer of unfolding evolution, um, bonds together to make something with more complexity, right, yeah. less breadth, greater depth mm-hmm. than that, which came before it. Um, so there's this really interesting question each layer then has at least the attributes of the previous unfolding layer. So an atom contains particles and contains at least all the qualities of a particle. A cell contains at least all of the qualities of a molecule. So people then, who are made of cells, which are made of molecules, which are made of atoms, made of particles, what do we all together make? And the thing that we all make as human beings together— will have at least in its massed collective the properties of the earlier level, which is personhood. So,
0: I need to pick correct? up my brain. Yeah, no, right. So think I, about that. Are you yeah, smart enough to follow that? I don't think I am. So, here's what's really I'm interesting. I think I'm
2: tracking. I'm Why I'm do with the them first here. Christians keep talking about our sufferings making Christ complete? And they oh, keep talking. He, okay, I know where he's going. They keep talking about <laughs> a, a Christ body <laughs> mm-hmm, that we all mm-hmm. comprise, and they talk about it in these strange phrases that that make preachers all tied up a nut about how it is somehow not complete. You know what I mean? There's right. this whole we we then make Christ complete in our what is the thing because all the all the atoms form molecules, and molecules at least have the property of atoms. So each thing within creation, as you go 13.8 billion unfolding years, each thing there are properties present at that next layer that are not present at the component layer, the pre- layer earlier from. Yeah, it. Yeah. So if all cells form cells form and actually make humans, then what do humans together? What is the thing that humans together make? You could say a population, yeah. but it will have at least the properties of the layer what, before what, it. Okay.
0: What, what is it?
2: You keep asking. So I'm guessing the body of Christ. Well, what's interesting mm-hmm. is that you have writers very coherently and intentionally writing about something that is present at a, it's called holism, but at a collective level among humanity. And they're not necessarily talking about Christians, they're talking about. The, uh, the church for them is always some uh, sort of the first sort of shape of something that involves all of humanity. Mm-hmm. Small, so, smaller collections or tentative gatherings yes, that might
1: point to... The
2: point to something to be later fulfilled, consummated, the kingdom of God. This or, is, by yeah, the way, I'm doing this thing called Everything is Spiritual 2 this summer. I, I've heard um, about that. Some of this is I'm, I'm working on, but I think that you just have this really interesting idea mm-hmm. when you come to the communion table, when you come to Eucharist, and we all gather around the table. The idea is we are, when you're, you're having Eucharist people you haven't met before, there is something that the two of you form together, some larger whole of which the two of you are a part of, which is why people always say these things like after nine 11 in New York, oh my word, everybody was smiling to each other. Mm-hmm. You don't create community. All of this, like we have small groups, we're going to create community. No, you're not. Community is revealed. We already have it. Community already exists. We're just blind to that which is already present in our midst. So but, I love all the like community building exercises, community revealing exercises. You except, know what I mean? Um, You're a featherless biped. You're a unique species. We're already <laughs> we're already a community. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're already in this. We're already in this together. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the power of this table. So like when you bring people together, what you just keep reminding them is we're like all in this together we're bonded we have each other and when just slight little gesture like that it's unbelievable how many people go mm-hmm. wow because for many people the eucharist was simply me being reminded that god forgives my sins which is very powerful but but it, it was first and foremost in first century at least this was about uh, about the thing that we form together mm-hmm. the thing present when we are all together yeah oh seriously we, anyway we,
0: come on now we, <laughs> at, at our church we we have tables set up around and oh, so we, we, we do sacrament and so it's like never it. dismiss, and then then you hear like this chorus of people saying their own like version of you know the body of christ broken oh, for you the blood of christ it. shed for you love it. and you, you know, you're old and young and male and female and all these voices and it, it's like this beautiful cacophony of sound and i'm trying to explain this to some people like from our tradition we typically sit in rows and they pass you which is a you know a great thing in itself but I've I've tried to verbalize why I think actually going to the tables and staying in a circle with people is so much more powerful, and I've I've been short on word. Uh Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, I want—yes. Well, think
2: about it. 300 years ago, you had the Enlightenment. All of a sudden, people realized that volcanoes do not explode because Zeus is angry. They realized, oh, wait, there are these components. There are plate tectonics. There's lava. That's why— So Mm -hmm. you had this extraordinary scientific revolution that got really good at taking things down to their parts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And because we could take things down to their parts, we started making levers and pulleys and machines. You had industrial revolution, you lent cars. Now we have 10,000 songs in our pockets. Mm -hmm. So for 300 years, we've been swimming in a particular sea that made hospitals and it made airports and it made all these conveniences and it made it by breaking things down to their smallest pieces. Mm -hmm. It is like, that's how the brain's been working. But the problem is that is a skill that if it's not, you'd not in tandem have seen things in their holes, seen things W-H-O-L-E-S. Mm-hmm. What happens now is you have a giant muscle that hasn't been used, which is seeing things in their holes. So then you walk into a church in the 20th century, and for some people, they, the commun- only communion they know is a tiny little plastic cup, which is the ultimate america me 1st you have a sermon about me first individualism and then it'll be in an independent fundamentalist church and then you'll take your eucharist in a little tiny singular plastic cup so the the method reflects a value system that the bible speaks directly against which is why you intuitively understood i need to get people out of their seats around a common table because it it Con- it moves against the forces that just want to make mm-hmm. people individual,
0: autonomous human beings. You intuitively—that's yeah, <laughs> what I was trying to say the whole time. I just—I I was just letting you say it for me. <laughs> I knew that the whole time. But
2: you probably—you knew it intuitively, and you probably—well, what you were saying is I didn't know why. I just knew that my people right. needed to get up out of their seats and do this because the other method actually then you would be reinforcing a value that you're against. Hmm. Which is you and God being forgiven, mm-hmm. and you're not pr- hospitality,
1: yeah. solidarity. Right. You're, you're enacting some theology, you know. Yes, and, and 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 so you need to have that relational component to it. Here's my favorite example of Eucharist surprising. When I don't know if you know who Soul Force is, but they were a group of LGBTQ activists that were going to ride a bus through the South and they were going to knock on the doors of various universities that that, that uh, conservative Christian schools, and my school was on the list. And um, every school that they had been. Visited up until our school, um, they were like met by police at the gates, Oh. Okay, and so um, at ACU, they came to the University Church of Christ and on, on they gave them a meal, fed them a meal, and then that evening, and I think this was a, just a tradition that had been going on a long time, is they always had Eucharist on Saturday nights, or, or so this may be on Sunday. Sunday night. night. It was on yeah. Sunday night, yeah. and they arrived on Sunday, had a meal, and so their the potluck meal that they gave gave the the, the activists uh, happened. But then right after that was the communion service on Sunday night. And they all said, well, you know, we're having communion. And, and then all these conservative Christian kids and these activists shared Eucharist. And, and there was an amazing experience the next day. And they, the activists left and said, we had never been received. We were completely surprised by it. And, and I am convinced to this day that, that, how well that next day went, how hospitable our university was, was directly the result of that they had accidentally stumbled into Eucharist together and that they had not done that. That that, that would not put them on a trajectory of kind of recognizing the the, the shared humanity on both sides because they they were primed to see each other as enemies. And fortuitously they found themselves breaking bread together. And I think they were surprised by what had been discovered when they welcomed each other to table. I think it goes to everything you're saying. You're not going to discover that if, if, there, if that is not enacted. You're, you can't discover those relational dynamics that you share with people.
0: Do you think there's the, the psychological effect of seeing people eat? There's some disgust stuff that, that's obviously going on, uh, like seeing people eat food. I, I think you've connected it to like seeing our own humanity when we eat, that there's something about like uh, – I think this is from Slavery of Death. You picking up what I'm putting down here? i think so you're looking at me kind of weird like you're making this stuff up by but now i do remember that By now, no no i do i do think there's even if we disgusting. didn't know what you were talking yeah. about
2: we would pretend like we didn't just to yeah. Mess with yeah. You. yeah i think i speak for both of us on that <laughs>
1: Sure, that's yes, I
2: wrote that at Uh, some point. Okay,
0: then I'm just gonna make this up if you're not gonna claim it, but like part of eating it shows your our humanity because if we don't eat, oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, it shows our neediness, dependence, yeah, 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 yes, yes, okay, yes,
0: yes. So there's something about like our shared humanity, and
1: and, and we often feel disgusted by displays of our our neediness, -hmm. neediness. but but by Eucharist, yes, you overcome, you well, you're welcomed into my, my favorite example of this is Arthur McGill talks about theologian talks about. That we we become a community of neediness, hmm. and it's our shared humanity, our shared neediness. Because um, I think what happens great. What happens in the I think in, in American culture, the reason why we become—it's not just we're individuals; we're self-sufficient interval in individuals without any needs. I don't hmm. really need you. Any, any display of vulnerability or shame is—that's the great failure. So if I come to church and I actually have a need. Like that's 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 a moral failing on my part. Hmm. Um, we've moralized need, which means it's immoral to be a human being in our churches to actually be a human who needs uh, help so or aid, good. and so. And I think communion enacts that. It shows by the common meal. It shows that we feed each other and we mm-hmm. enter into an economy the, of love.
0: The uh, and I hope this isn't like sharing too personal of a story from uh, one of our friends at church, but I've got a. Um, One of my elder's husbands, uh, when he was my age, uh, was diagnosed with MS and he's this, you know, early thirties doctor, he's got two kids and he's MS, he knows what's going on. And so now he's, uh, he's got his, his little boys are now both, both in med school and, uh, He's very limited in what he can do at all, and so when we go to the table, someone uh you know guides his his chair over there, and then someone picks up the cup and puts it in his mouth, and someone takes the bread and puts it in his mouth. And uh. every Sunday, I see that, and I'm reminded mm. this is the story that we're a part of because that's all of us. Mm. We all have mm-hmm. that shared humanity, and we 're all in desperate need and I get choked up even just saying that you can mm-hmm. hear it right now in mm. my voice um, yeah i don't there's nothing I can mm. ever say to equal that, yeah. So good. Hmm. Is there a way to transition out of that to something next? That's fantastic. Yeah. I've got questions. We've got to ask, uh, what's going on with Rob? You've got a tour coming out this summer, Everything Spiritual, Part yes. 2. Are you going to write it TWO or Everything's no. Too Spiritual? I'll just have it, Everything is Spiritual,
2: 2015. I like that. You but can... if you're familiar with the first one, this is um, new whiteboard, all new ideas, new content. And you... I'm so excited about it. Are you going to come seriously. to Texas? Yeah, I think we're doing Houston, Dallas, and... Austin. Uh, I think I'm doing the Paramount in Austin. Do you know when that is? Uh, End of... Well, it'll probably be July. Let's say mid-July, maybe. Yeah, we tried to to
0: do... (laughs) The worst time to be in in Texas. Phoenix.
2: Uh, Well, the routing goes (laughs) San San Diego, Phoenix, and then I think we do Oklahoma City, uh, Tulsa. Then it's like all through Texas, New (laughs) Orleans, down to Miami Beach, like through the mid-July. We're trying to pick the best time of the year.
0: Are you going to do your Texas joke about, "Hey, I'm in a foreign country when you get to Texas?" No. Okay.
2: Because you just brought it up. <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm hoping officially to retiring.
0: That. Oh, well, I was just wanted to say Texas is the best place in the world and I feel like if You know, we- I didn't <laughs> used
2: to get Texas until I was there. I don't know when I was there, a couple years ago, and I think we were doing driving like Waco to Dallas to Austin or something and I felt like I got it. Just mm-hmm. to, it was like one of those moments when you uh-huh. when everything's close like this that city's over here, that city's mm-hmm. over here, this university's here. It. And I was driving in between one of those and I was just realizing if you grew up here and you had a friend there and you had some buds over here and there was a game here and a show there mm-hmm. and good barbecue there, I get it. Good barbecue. Yeah. Like a you know what I mean? Like a place. Yes. Oh. Like you mm-hmm. have like a Oh, big, wide sky, mm-hmm. your different friends that you've got
0: it. Down wide yes, open road, spaces. There are some friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah them to make the big mistake. That's a good theory. Yeah. I like it. Just like Dix- Dixie Chicks told us. Um, so you're doing that this summer. Yes. You're doing something with uh, Pete Holmes right now? Two-man show? Pete Holmes and I have a two-man show called Together at Last. We did uh, Tucson a couple nights ago. Did you write that T-W-O, together? No. I feel like there's a lot of jokes you could do with the two um, that you're just leaving on the floor. You know what?
2: There's enough jokes already. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think taking comedic advice from Luke would be a really—it's so wow. movie. <laughs> Richard,
0: that's really hurtful. That's really hurtful. So
2: this week is uh Tampa and Orlando. It's been—it's been—it's been a blast. Mm-hmm. And then we do Boston in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and that this leg will be done.
0: Let me I've got notes here. I'm finally pulling my notes out. Um, Two-day events. This is me. I really have notes. Yeah, I'm
2: doing a uh, in June. We're doing a doing a thing here with like a. A oh, whole a big event. one! I'm so excited. You've yeah. got
0: uh, Kristen's going to be there.
2: Yeah, Kristen's going to talk, and Vicky Beeching's coming. I don't know who that is. Who? She's a British on uh, BBC. She's a political commentator. I'm Texan. I don't know um, BBC. She's fantastic. And then uh, Carlton Hughes, um, friend of mine, who's made a lot of great TV shows. Yes. And Pete Rollins, mm-hmm. friend and of the show. Pete, Pete Rollins. Pete Holmes. I think Pete Holmes and I are going to do our our together last thing at it. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's great. And I, I really wanted to do an event for all the people who, like if I'm traveling and they say, where do I talk about this stuff in my town? All the people who stumbled into some new and better and they're more alive than ever, some new understandings, and yet the people around them um, aren't seeing the same things they are. And mm. so I want to talk about courage and loneliness. The event's called Keep Going. Yeah. I want to get all those people in the room who just need to find out you're not crazy, and if you are crazy, you have company. Mm, um, that's important, and I, I think really, really want. So Peter Rollins is going to talk about disruption. Kristen's going to talk about the things she has learned about how to stay motivated and positive and full of joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm really, I'm really, really excited. That's in mid June.
0: Good. Now you, you've got the podcast. Yes, the Rob the Robcast. Which off Mike, you told me something about how you got inspired to do that. Bye. I um <clears throat> have a friend mm-hmm. named <clears throat> Pablo. No. <laughs> no. No,
2: I want to tell you I was when when Kristen and I did the Zimzum podcast with you and I just saw um just the way you you were so natural in oh, the conversation it. and I was like cuz some friends had had said like you need to do you need to do one of these but just watching you and uh it's like I gotta try that,
0: and it's been a blast. So thank yeah. you. It's been really, really rewarding. Now your podcast is called the Robcast. Mm-hmm. My podcast is newsworthy with norsworthy. My high school football coach used to say that to me. He said, "Norworthy, you keep working hard, and one day you'll be newsworthy." That's what he'd say to me. So, <laughs> you, you, but your Richard, your blog. I just have a blog. It's that's called not, it, it's called Experimental Do you feel like you need to step up your pun game? My my what? Your pun game, Robcast podcast, newsworthy, norsworthy. Experiment. It's like there's no name in there. I feel like we could uh, we'll work on it. Okay. We'll work on that. It is a great, it is a great, book. Oh, great, g- great beckations. Yes. I beg your pardon. Mm. Huh? Huh?
1: Okay. If I ever get on Twitter, that'll be my hashtag. <laughs> I beg your pardon.
0: Okay. I, I, have, I have a question. about you. The... <laughs>
1: That's seriously so cumbersome. Yeah. That's really awkward.
0: As the newsworthy with noise where just rolls off your tongue. Okay. You're, you're, uh, you're Rob Cast. It's great. It's doing really good. I I like it. I listened to it yesterday while I was mowing. I was mowing (laughs) and I listened to the Robcast. It was about this very long word. And I took seven semesters of Greek and I still don't remember which the word is that you used. But you started off and said, this is a sermon. Yeah. You did. And I was like, you've done how many? A dozen? 15? 18? Yeah. You've done some. Mm -hmm. You never said, like, this is a sermon before. But I get the impression you're Robcasting in your home. You're just at your computer with your USB microphone and it is just kind of like a sermon. And so yeah. I, I'm w- like, you never had called it a sermon before. Was that yeah. just like, Hey, I'm just accidentally called it a sermon or is there a reason for that? Everything's always, everything's a sermon, isn't it? Um,
2: but it's just one of those little things that just tilts the framing yeah. language. just a little thing that
0: tilts it just slightly, but it was like book, chapter, verse. We're going to read this verse It's, it felt very sermonic. Good. I was just wondering why, like, the the others haven't felt the same way.
2: I didn't say it, (laughs) but think about the structure and order of the other ones. The same thing. Okay, I don't have those memorized. Isn't that fantastic? (laughs) You can just place one sentence up front, and it tilts the whole thing. I agree. Yeah, there's this great space and light painter from the 60s and 70s named Robert Irwin, and there's a series of interviews with him um, called Seeing is Forgetting the Name of the Thing One Sees. And some people think it's the best book ever. on Can you say that title again? Scene is forgetting the name of the thing one sees 30 years of interviews with Robert Irwin. And he was essentially this artist who just kept breaking new ground. And there was a whole period he went through where he would paint a canvas white, put it on a wall. And then he would paint one line across the middle of the painting, one thin line. Then he would stare at it for 13 to 14 hours a day, go to bed, wake up, stare at it. And then he might repaint the line on a different place. And what he did is art. Like if you hear a song and it moves you there, there is the lyrics. There's the melody. There is the guitar part. There's the drum, the keyboard, whatever it is, the orchestra. And it created an experience in you. It had a, you had a sensory experience of it. So how much of the song can you remove and still create an experience within you? Like, what does Mm -hmm. it take to trigger that experience? So what he was asking was, how much stimulus can you remove and still create an experience? And so he was working with, um, he would do white canvases, and then he would, from behind the canvas, push the canvas out just a little bit so that it came, the middle of the canvas just came towards you a little bit. And he would experiment with a, a millimeter in, a millimeter back out, and he would do this there was one stretch I think where he went like a year or two with one painting every day for 14 hours, just seeing. And like with the one line, if you lower it two millimeters, he would observe that it would change the whole geometry of the room because you're removing all distractions. So that one tiny Mm -hmm. line then becomes like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Then, so he was essentially taking art down to how, how little of a stimulant can trigger a sensory experience in you, which is really larger questions about how humans being perceive reality. Yeah. Um, so what you'll find about his work is he's talking about a canvas and you're suddenly you're down this road or this road because he was actually doing all this other work just below the surface, which is why he's so groundbreaking. But what's fascinating to me is like the moving of a line just a bit. And it shifts the whole room around one sentence. Now I'm going to do a sermon. And it's structured the exact same way as the previous 15, other than the ones that were interviews. It's structured the same, but you heard it completely differently based on that one Hmm. thing. So you as a preacher, you Mm -hmm. when you gather on Sunday, what are framing sentences and phrases and ideas and stories and parables and language and images and metaphors, What what are ways you can just tilt? One thing and people who've been listening to you week after week, year after year, hmm. suddenly you've given them on maybe another door to come in. You know what I mean?
0: Ah, that's interesting. That's fascinating.
2: Yeah. So think about the things that you're doing. Think about, you're going to do the parable of the prodigal son. You're going to do it. You've already done it three times. Mm-hmm. You do the whole sermon from the perspective uh, of a villager. So you've just... So you think through your notes and your outline, all the points you were going to make, and then you walk up on stage and say, I got to tell you about this family in my town.
0: They're jacked up. And you,
2: <laughs> this family's seriously jacked up. And I know your family's fine, but this family's jacked up. I'll tell you what the younger son said to the family. And you do the sermon, the exact content you were going to do, you just do it. Maybe you have a fence. Maybe you have your lawnmower. <laughs> maybe you literally do it like you're the neighbor. And... What new understandings would it open? Just that one slight tilt.
0: So, do you think through that? Like, did you? I would love for you to say, "Yeah, I thought through that one sentence because I figured there's some random dude mowing his yard in Texas."
2: Yeah, I thought. I bet this would have an extra layer of power.
0: And the word sermon brings power.
2: I I don't know. I bet it would have a. I bet it would do something. People like, oh, Mm -hmm. whoa, we're about to hear a sermon here. I wonder if it would tap into a sense this is serious.
0: Huh.
2: I don't know. That's just a question. I mean, I mean did you sit up and take notice? But what's fascinating to it's, me, yeah. what does that remember? <laughs> what's, that's how it works. You yeah. uh, try stuff. Mm-hmm. You, try, you try stuff. Uh, I was just reading yesterday Tommy, uh, Tony Iommi, the guitar player for Black Sabbath. They're all Black Sabbath. This is 1969, 1970. They're sitting around rehearsing, writing songs, and he plays the opening riff to the song Black Sabbath. And he says, and nobody was doing drop D. Nobody was doing heavy metal then. And he says, they all were like, what the, what is that? He's like, we had no idea what it is, but we all were like, this is great. I don't know what it is, but man, this is great. Imagine inventing heavy metal. Imagine the first time, imagine the first time you played the heaviest thing that ever been played. he has this great line where he just says, we loved it. our, Our skin was tingling and we had no idea what it was. And the others were looking at me and I was like, I don't know. Cause he's playing like the first heavy metal Well, you know wow. what I mean? The yeah, early... yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's just this sense that you just try things. So that was just, I just keep trying things. It's the only way it works. Which means now, you... what's interesting then is you, you say that. And I think, Oh, it's interesting. I had that sense. And then you, now I've just learned a bunch from you about that. It's
0: like we can complete each other's sandwiches, <laughs> sandwiches, huh? <laughs> so, but you have to be okay to fail when you're, when you're doing that, right? Because if you're going to experiment, try things differently. I don't believe in failure. You don't like? Don't believe it happens? I don't believe in failure. That's mm-hmm. just
2: a whole category. I don't believe in it.
0: You just how do you get because rid of failure?
2: The best stories. Like if I asked Richard, tell me how you got in this, and you were like, "Well, I was pretty sweet. Then I kicked <laughs> some more ass. <laughs> and then from Wait, that's there, actually it was what all he told to me. The and, and then from there, it was just all up and to the right. Then there was some dominance. Mm. I had some uh, serious game. Everybody knew it. I took it to the next level. We're bored out of our minds. Exactly. And we love a story about going camping. In the face. It went camping, and the tent k- collapsed, and the food Slep, spoiled, and all that. That's what car, we actually love. So you'd be like, "Wow, mm-hmm. you really failed at camping." Well, then why is the story so great? So I understand. Like, if you fail to pay your taxes, you will have a problem. So it's probably at some layer, at some level, failure is fine. But in terms of you doing your work in the world, I just
0: don't.
1: I just, it's not something that crosses my mind. Is that like you could make it cruciform too? I mean, if if God's ultimate incarnation is ostensibly a failure, exactly. Yeah, you know, I mean, the whole thing—we
2: all might get killed. So I just, I just had enough things happen to me that where it all did fall apart, and people didn't like me, and people, so it just all already fell apart. So, and we're here and we're having a, more fun than ever. So I just don't buy any of that. And so when people are like, but that might, but you might, yeah. Like this tour this summer, tour bus, the amount of logistics that go into doing 30 American cities in like 32 days or something. And my family goes and staging and all that. Like nobody could come. Nobody could come. Wow. And.
0: You're you're okay with that?
2: I'd rather I just decided I was not going to live my life wondering what if.
0: Hmm. You said that <laughs> like it already all mm-hmm. fell apart, and so after that you were able to gain this insight. Is that what, what's required to well, get there, I you just, think? Uh, probably
2: by my early 30s, I would go to speak somewhere and there'd be protesters out front. People with signs, boycotts. So I just right away, not being respected, not being understood, being hated, being... Um, It just got like, oh, there's got to be some other way to live this because you cannot control how people respond to you or your work in the world.
0: I have this. So it just all, so it
2: just became about something else.
0: I have the sense that to, to be a pastor, like there's a plethora of motivations, obviously for all of us. We're all mixed bag. you, You talk about that a lot, I think, but. One of the motivating factors for being like a young preacher is whenever you get up, everyone's like, oh, you're a young preacher. That is so cute. We love young preachers. And you start to get addicted to the compliments, and you start to let that be a motivating factor for you. And then when that turns on you, yes. which obviously the way things – You're no have, longer a puppy. Yeah.
2: Puppies are cute.
0: Everyone hates mm-hmm. – everyone loves a baby preacher, but they don't like a grown-up <laughs> one. And you've experienced that to degrees that, like, I don't know of anyone else who I'd compare that to. Is that, like, you have to, you go through that and you realize this whole system or this motivating factor or partially motivating factor is just cancer? It's the difference between craft and success.
2: Craft, success is all accolades. Success is money. Success is getting to the next level. Success Mm -hmm. is the thing that you're going to arrive at. Craft is the art. It's the trade. It's the thing that you're doing. You're helping students. You're doing research you're You're working a craft here the other morning I go surfing six forty five sunrise and there's two city workers on the steps about three steps up from where we are and the one of them's probably in his fifties the one of them's in his twenties and they're taking they're taking the trash bins um off the beach, and the one is showing the other how it's done properly the mm. older one like there's a way things are done there's a craft, mm. whatever it is there's an art to it, and craft is fundamentally humbling because you you're The book I just turned in, man, it just broke me again. Cause you're 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 working a long trade. You come from a long line of people to a mom, somebody runs a gas station, you're do you have Mm. a craft in the world. Success says, what more can I get? Craft says, Can you believe I get to do this? Yeah. Mm. So um you are working a craft. You are shepherding people, you are communicating to them, you are guiding them. That's a craft. And you'll never get to the end of it. You'll always be learning. You'll always be growing. Hmm. And if you, if, you le- if you move from success to craft, then your joy will only get better and better and better and better. There's great stories about Tim Duncan in the huddle during a Spurs game saying to their guys, can you believe we get paid to do this? Yeah. So uh, It's joy. I think
1: that's the only reason. Yes, to real exactly. Joy, and I
2: can, I, when I meet somebody, I can tell in 10 seconds whether they're on the success or the craft mm. track.
1: <laughs> What do think you can do things to succeed and you get this kind of stereotonin buzz, you get reinforced for absolutely. it and you want to do it more and you can become like an addict. Absolutely. You know, but joy is but uh, and I think to come back to the very beginning when you're talking about presence, because if you're present, then you're not failure is living, you know, living in the past, worrying about the future. Yeah. You're, you're never, you're never in the moment. Hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm not, I'm not the artist that the way Rob would be an artist, but, but, I think psychologically Cheek Set Me High, his stuff on flow and peak experiences, mm. I don't know if you know, his his book on flow is... What's the name? Um, his his I can't spell it, but Cheek Set Me High. Michael Cheek Set Me has written a book called Flow, but it's about yeah, yeah. these experiences. And and you know you're in a flow state when like you're going to craft, when your competencies are matching the obstacles. You, know, you feel like you're being challenged, you're being pushed. And you experience uh, time dilation. You start not noticing the passage of time. Yes. Um, Absolutely. So those flow states. Wait, what's the name again? Flow is the name of the book. Oh, okay. It's an old book. <clears throat> and he, he just had people track their happiness across oh, the yeah. day and, and, and noticed that when people had found these activities, crafts or immersive activities where they were being artistic or creative or challenging or learning something, um, they were they were... And that's what's happening fulfilled. to you. Yeah. It often happens around your age. My age?
2: Yeah. You start to realize that the fuel that you've been running on, it's important when you start out. It's important that people notice it and they affirm you. It's no. very meaningful. But you'll notice a shift and if you don't make it. It's, but you're, you're, you're realizing that there's something about this that, that is not sustainable. Hmm. And as you shift into craft, you'll start to get really fun.
0: Huh. Roar talks about first half of life. Everyone needs that. uh, Yes. uh, What is the thing to to move the world? He has this great uh, quote. Like at first, like you want to do that, to to move the world and have your part in it. And then the second half is. Yes. And you've had great success. So it will speed up the process.
1: You
2: will see the emptiness of it Mm. sooner. And some of your peers may not understand what you're talking about. But people loving what you do and success speeds the thing up developmentally. Oh, wait, the thing I was working so hard to achieve, I did. And I'm kind of realizing it's a bit emptier but then you will rediscover but i get to do this
0: how awesome is that and then you have like this renewed passion this renewed and it, and it yeah and it's unbelievable Which, so there, okay so obviously i'm at this stage when this is supposed to be happening is there what am i supposed to be looking for what am i supposed to be having my ears open to to be aware of you get to preach this sunday i'm actually taking the sunday off but okay. next sunday you get to do this I get to
2: do this. Make uh, that a mantra. Uh, I get to give these people this gift. That's all there is right here. I get to give people this gift.
1: I'd say joy and gratitude. Yeah. Exactly. You know? You know mm-hmm. it, 'Cause in the slavery of death, I talk about how the life of Jesus is kind of a life of self expenditure. But when everybody hears that, they're like, Well, I'm already burnt out, I'm already I don't have anything to give. They kinda Brene Brown, I'm operating out of feeling of scarcity. No. Yeah. And and so, the you know, the line I have in there is you can only go as far as your joy can take you. Because mm. if you're not running on joy, mm. you're, you're running, you're chasing after some reinforcer or some and shame. Absolutely. Or some. So I, 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 you know, I think joy and gratitude are the indicators.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. My boy wants me to play um, wiffle ball with him. So I got to wrap this up.
0: I think we should wrap it up now, I'm then. I'm just
2: typing in the name of that book he's said and I was see it? my son going, ball, wiffle ball. Hey, there's I'll nothing more important
0: ball. than wiffle ball with the kids. Join gratitude. You're exactly right. ball. Hey, this has been a blast. How much fun was this? Uh, a million. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm honored to
2: do it again. It's great.
0: We Well, you've got more books coming this out. It's fantastic. We'll do it again. Richard, thank you. It was an honor. Jana, thank you for being our uh, studio. Water. Guest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> studio, audience, whatever. Hey, see you guys. Thank you. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.